Yeah, I don't think you really know what you're talking about, okay? And I don't either. And so uh, let's leave it. It hasn't stopped us before. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What do you think this podcast is? unhappy with Isaac's descent into alt-right creepiness? It is kind of creepy, <laughs> that's for sure. But um, I don't know. I guess I hope he'll come out the other side. I don't know. It seems like... Uh, oh, it's just I a phase, huh? It's well, just a phase, just like homosexuality, right? Well, just like Charles's dad, right? It was a 30-year phase, but he went from a Goldwater Republican to a uh, basically an Obama voter. Yeah, that's correct. Who hated Donald Trump? Oh my God! If my dad was alive, <laughs> yeah. to see this, yeah. <laughs> his head would explode. Yeah, you gotta accept. You gotta be accepting. You gotta learn to accept people with differing opinions. Isn't it weird that that the Thanksgiving dinner you'd be worried about is is your children showing up? Usually, it's Thanksgiving dinner where people worry about their extended yeah, relatives. Yeah, their racist uncle, right? <laughs> yeah, now it's me. <laughs> your anti-Semitic son. <laughs> Actually, I'm the weird person at the Thanksgiving dinners I've been going to because I'm a Democrat. What? Oh, all those people are yeah. Republicans? Yeah. One of the people in the Facebook group that we have for this had a question that they wanted me to ask your dad. Uh, and I don't know what this question means. It says, does he and his son regularly discuss the Jewish question? <laughs> The Jew- that like, is a question that was written by a Jew. The Jewish Joe question. Joe April wrote that one. Uh, yeah, who I don't really understand who that is, but he's a person. <laughs> I don't know, do we? What does that mean? Do I don't even know what, what is the Jewish question. He's not Jewish, though. So I, maybe I, I, he thought I, he I was I didn't write Jewish. the question. Why are you well, asking me? Maybe the que- because you come from a mixed family. Yeah. Yeah. And so I suppose it could have been an, an issue. But actually, I, you know, I mean, I was the one who was in favor of you getting bar mitzvahed. Yeah. You weren't interested, and Kim wasn't really particularly interested. So, mm. is there any videotape record of Isaac's bar mitzvah? He I didn't, didn't have bar mitzvah. He decided. Oh, it didn't to. happen. Yeah. yeah. Why didn't you get bar mitzvah? There was a period of he didn't want to. That's why he just didn't have the. And I think he, Kim was Kim bas mitzvah. I don't think so. Right. No. So her family, her family was very assimilated to an extreme degree. Okay. Because there's a picture on the Cleveland Plain Dealer of Kim Rubenstein and her sister Carrie in a public park celebrating Easter with their Easter bonnets on. <laughs> and she was the family who, they would have a Christmas tree every year, and all the Jewish families who didn't have Christmas trees would come over and celebrate and kind of do the American thing with that, their family. Yeah. Also, they had a pet. They had a dog. <clears throat> which is kind of a comparatively non-Jewish thing in that era. Really? 
Having pets is non-Jewish is like Gentile. I th- I think I think of I think of having pets as being very, especially dogs, as being very Gentile. You don't think of Islamic people as having they don't have no, dogs in their dogs. house. They're considered filthy. Yeah, they're disgusted by dogs. Right. And, and generally, also people who come from poor backgrounds, I in my this is you know I made made up in my own head tend not to who come from urban poor backgrounds I should say tend not to have domestic animals because it's like. Yeah, but Jews well, don't you know, come from urban poor backgrounds. Well, there's plenty of... From the tw- early 20th century, there sure are. Yeah, you hear that. People are, people are brought up in situations of, of various degrees of want. I feel like in terms of the larger history of Jews, though, they've pretty much been wealthy the entire time. That, boy, talk about a statement that is completely without basis. Uh, what are you talking about? Way. Have you ever read anything about the Jews in the 18th century or 17th century? I mean, right. 19th century, well, early 17th, look, 18th. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, no, on, read the early stuff about Marx. It's like it's the exact same situations now. They were completely economically dominant in okay. every way. I don't know. Uh, read the novels of Aaron Appelfeld. You know, it's not about wealthy Jews. It's about village Jews living yeah, as as basically oppressed minorities in you know, the Austro-Hungarian yeah, Empire and that, so on and so forth. I don't know. Not to mention under the Roman Empire and so on and so forth. But they weren't, even under the, under the Romans, they weren't poor. They were rich. The, the, the Jewish ghetto in Rome was a neighborhood of poor people. Yes, and they, Jews performed a function of being moneylenders because they were, you know, for various reasons, right? But certainly not autonomy, right? Well, I don't know what you mean by the word I autonomy. I mean, that's always the, the thing. It's like, oh, they had to do it because they were forced to. You know, yeah, well, this is something. First of all, I don't. I'm not really qualified to give. I don't feel like blathering what little I know. I, about I took it on the contemporary radio. Jewish literature in uh, college, and you know, I've read a lot of Marx on Jewish people. Marx was a half Jew in that phase, and the reputation of Jews as extremely wealthy is something that has been around for two thousand years. So I don't think it's crazy to think that. You know, this, these narratives of poor Jews. Certainly, there's a millions and millions and millions of poor Jews. And in America, yeah, they, of course, like the ones that had been uprooted and came here were very poor. Why does this keep going up? Well, I don't know. Um, you know, 2,000 years. Jesus didn't come from a rich family. St. Paul didn't come from a Exactly. St. Yeah. Paul didn't come from a rich family. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, no, that, that was, but the, the in that phase, the wealthy Jews of Israel, I read that book, Zealot, right? And that's all about, like, the Jewish people at that time. And it's true, there were some very poor ones, and there were some very, like, the but the ones that were running the society then were, like, extremely wealthy people. Okay, you mean, okay, all right, yeah. That's probably rich people, yeah. I don't know. All of the the only point is that the, I don't think I think this picture of the Jews as this like poor group of people throughout history is not really accurate. Well, uh, and neither is. It, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't think you really know what you're talking about. Okay, and I don't either. <laughs> and so let's leave. It hasn't stopped us before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah what do you think sure. this podcast is? Yeah. <laughs> I like I like the <laughs> hypothesis that Jews don't have pets. Yeah. I've well, anyway, no. So that's what we were talking about: is Jews don't have pets, and that I think is probably true. Jews don't have pets. I think that I'm makes sense. Name though. the episode that Jews don't have pets. Jews don't have pets. <laughs> <laughs> well, now they do. <laughs> 
Oh, they've started having A lot pets. more people have pets now, right? Yeah. Like well, a no. lot more people have dogs than used to have dogs. Well, that's what the establishment wants. It wants to separate you from uh, horizontal relationships and just make it so that you can that have mean? a little fluffy slave instead of any actual human relationships. The establishment doesn't want people to have families yeah, and instead to replace them with pets. It doesn't want you to have any loyalty to any other hierarchy outside of a direct relationship with commerce. How does the establishment uh, promote this? And you see it everywhere. You see it all, <laughs> oh, okay. You see all the time. <laughs> this, this whole thing on, you know, for one, gender fluidity, but for two, like the, the cover of the Atlantic the other day was the beauty of the childless marriage. And it was like two like hot young people on a boat. You see that all the time. It's like they want you to have no kids so that you can consume and produce as much as you can all the time. You effect, effectively, they want nuns of commerce. And if you're married to any other person, that's a sub-hierarchy to which you're more loyal. You're more li- no loyal to the nuclear family than you are t- when you're single. So what they want you to do is have a dog so you get some sort of feeling of love, but then you can also spend your whole day working and your whole night consuming. So the media establishment does not... the media not establishment, the establishment establishment. It's, it's industrialization, right? It's the industrial establishment. How, Read D.H. Lawrence. This is D.H. Lawrence. Lady Charlie's Lover is all about this. How does... But how, how does that work when the majority of are buying advertising. Majority of advertising is directed at a very specific age group, right? Which is young, 18 to 35 or 18 to 45 year olds. Mm -hmm. So how does not having a family continue that? Like, wouldn't there be a vested interest in people continuing to produce offspring so that more oh, people yeah, sure. can buy so, yeah, products? No, you know, yeah, people want to advertise sugary cereal to kids, for sure. Yeah, well, not there's just tons sugary of, cereal. I said 18 to 35. Yeah, no, yes. You need to keep having children so that uh, there are more people to buy stuff. That's definitely true. Okay. So how does that square with what you just said, where the well, media doesn't want you to have kids? The media just doesn't want you to... They want you to reproduce, but they don't want there to be a stable family structure. Well, couldn't you say the opposite? Couldn't you say that what the media really wants is just to continually spew out chaos-inducing stimuli, one moment being celebrating the breakdown of the family, what you're describing, and the other moment showing the happy suburban family in their minivan and so forth, and then the other moment showing a racial couple, and then the other minute showing a traditional couple and stuff like that. Well, so what that would be the point of that? To create a, sen- a constant sense of anxiety and nervousness that drives you to... Do you really... Drives you to what? Do whatever they... Do whatever they... Uh, take advantage of whatever solution they seem to be offering you at the at moment. At the moment, yeah. Well, sure, sure. really that, that having a family and children is not promoted? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's not anymore. I think I think what they want you now to do is have a baby manufactured via the most expensive process possible. So a, a, a drug company can make money off of your in vitro fertilization method. You then pay a sub-slave to take care of your baby. And you, as a corporate slave, then go and work all day long and then buy expensive shoes all night. Yeah, but you're, what you're describing is something that everybody would regard as dystopia. Yeah, right. Yeah, but the, that's where we're at. I, I, that's just 
I don't agree. If, Industrialization if, and its consequences have been a system, disaster for humankind. If the system is set up that way, why is it more beneficial for you to have a family? Like why is tax the, wise? Yes, th- that's a vestigial structure left over from the time in which Christianity or organized religion, whether no matter what that was, was the dominant organizing force of society. Here we go. But since the mid-1860s, the mid-1800s, industrialization has supplanted religion as the dominating, organizing, economic force of human beings. So where religion used to be the organizing force, which was reliant on the nuclear family and put that at a premium, which is also not a natural thing, by the way. You know, monogamy is not a natural thing. It's not a natural phenomenon. Sure, It's an imputed rule, you know, that is being delivered to you by these organizing forces, which used to be religion. Those were so powerful for so long that, yeah, our societies still have a lot of Christian or religious flavor to them. But ultimately, those things are being supplanted slowly but surely by things that favor industrialization. And industrialization wants to compartmentalize you and give you a directly vertical relationship with labor and consumption. So that you're married effectively to labor and consumption instead of being married to any other sort of non-monetary, non-commercial structure that can get in the way of your, you know, buying and uh, producing and buying and producing and buying. I'm not going to disagree that I think uh, industrialization wants a structure, a companies want to control you. You know, you know my thoughts on, on that. But the idea that somehow marriage and children is not promoted generally in mass media as this ideal is, is I don't know, it seems counter to what we, we get as a message. Well, I think it's changing. I think you're right. The, the, the old comedy movie ends in a marriage, which is a happy ending, right? But I think that's changing. I think now the happy ending is now not marriage, it's success, right? I mean, look at La La Land, right? It's a great example. Here we go. La La Land ends, the happy ending is not, I mean, yeah, she ends up being married, but the point of the happy ending on both of their sides isn't that they came together. The happy ending in La La Land is that they both fulfilled their dreams. You know, and which is more likely? You end up married or you end up fulfilling your dreams. I mean, one never happens and one happens all the time. So that's kind of the problem with, I think that's a little bit of the problem with this thing, is that at least in the religious sphere, the goal was something achievable. Whereas now the goal is not real. It's not something anybody can have. It's a zero-sum game. Whereas marriage is the opposite of a zero-sum game. Marriage is something that only really works if everybody participates in it. What does that mean? Marriage really only makes sense if everybody does it because there's the way that luckily we're organized is that there's about 50% of each of us for whatever weird reason. So marriage works when everybody buys in. But if people don't buy in, then you have not enough people to get married to each other. 
You know, whereas success is a zero-sum game. I mean, it, it, only about 1% of people can have that type of mega, super Hollywood success yeah, that you're supposed to chase. That's what people are supposed to chase. Yeah. That's what they want. Yeah, it's being dangled but in even, front of you. Just to take your example of La La Land, even though I'm, I can't believe we're still talking about <laughs> this stupid <laughs> fucking movie. Uh, this, the mega success happens on the, I guess, the what's-her-face's side. Who was that? I can't remember anybody's name Emma, Emma Stone. Stone, yeah. Emma's. All the Emmas. Uh, she's a mega successful movie star, but he has a club. He fulfills his dream, though. But that's not what you just said. You just said mega success, which only happens to 1% of people. I'd which say I only 1% with. of people have a successful, mega successful jazz club. But... Uh, having uh, running a business that is successful and continues is is not a one percent thing. There's plenty of people that that manage to do that. I'd say I don't want to get caught in the la la weeds again. Anyway, it's still the 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 paradigm is he fulfilled his dreams exactly as he dreamt them. Which how many people do that? You know, you have this really concrete goal, and then that's what you exactly make happen. I mean, a lot of people do that. Really? Yeah. A lot of driven people achieve goals that they set out to do. No, sure. You can achieve goals, but then, you know, then what? You know, I mean, it's a, it, does it make people happy? You know, I don't, I don't think that that's really the answer. Make some people happy. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just I can't agree that there's some kind of media push to have people not be married and have children. That's that's. I mean, I think it's clear. I think that that's very clearly the media push. You know, I mean, all this stuff with gender fluidity, all the constant. What does hey, that have to do with hammering on gender fluidity? What does doing with relationships and and marriage and well, kids? I, I'd like to see the numbers on that. I mean, I feel like, I wonder if gender fluid people have as much marriage now that it's legal as non, you know? Meaning? Uh, what, do, what do you mean? I mean, like for you, is marriage equality pro-marriage or is marriage equality pro well, yeah. the scenario you're talking exactly. about? Well, that's the interesting thing about it. And I think it's both, you know? And it's both at the same time. So it's sort of a weird thing. It's like on the one hand... It's about acceptance and rights, so in that sense, it is very neoliberal globalist. But on the other hand, it is about marriage, which is very not neoliberal globalist. So, it's kind of both. What What is the globalist agenda that would be? It's about centralization, anti-marriage. Again, it's about centralization and hierarchy. So, globalism, globalists are threatened by anything that subjugates a singular hierarchy. Whereas an anti-globalist, which is what I am, favors decentralization of power at, at all levels. So the smaller the hierarchy for me, the better. So it's like, I love family structure because families are the most, are the smallest and most powerful, in my opinion, hierarchy, right? And the most natural. Really, even though they are. Why don't you live close to your family then? I do. I live, my mom lives out here, and you know he's not too far away. Okay. And anyway, uh, so then secondary, you know, uh, a globalist is about there being one singular power structure and one singular 
set of ways that you need to be. Right. You need to be compassionate and as long as somebody's not harming you, it doesn't matter what their behavior is and you need to leave them alone. Right. That's the globalist mantra because that's the singular monoculture that they they want. They don't want anything. The, the reason they're so threatened by Brexit and so not threatened by, say, the independence of Zimbabwe. <laughs> you know, like they love the independence of Zimbabwe. They hate the independence of Britain is because they view one as threatening and the other as, as unthreatening. Because the Zimbabwe in independence will simply make Zimbabwe play along in the globalist system. They'll then buy into the UN. They'll then buy into the WTO. They'll then buy into all these globalist entities that are basically a singular power structure, the same power structure. Whereas they know that when Britain becomes independent, it checks out of the EU. It starts, its, its power structure becomes flatter, you know? I mean, there's a reason why since joining the EU, British wages have dropped, literally dropped, like 37% or something. But is leaving the EU going to solve that problem? I don't know. Who knows? It's like, is electing Donald Trump going to solve the problem? Obviously not. No. But, I mean, no, it's I, not. No, and it's it's going to make things I, I, much worse. Well, I don't know if it's going to, maybe worse in the short run, which I always said that electing Donald Trump will be worse in the short run. But ultimately, these issues need to be addressed. I mean, ultimately, we can't have a singular global government. That's not, that is not a good idea. And particularly one based on whatever bullshit American capitalist values we have. I mean, that's a horrible idea. It's so amazing that the black helicopter uh, nuttiness has just moved on to a new generation. <laughs> <laughs> You're like you're like dads in Arizona that I, I used to remember. What is it, black helicopter? <laughs> exactly. Can't remember the past. So he's doomed to repeat it. What is black helicopter? It's, it's just the ongoing uh, threat of the new world order that that was that was popular. The black helicopters that, from the government that are going to be controlled by the central. Yeah. Central point. Well, sure, but it's like my flavor of it is way less governmental and way more corporate. And I mean, you read a book like Confessions of an Economic Hitman, this shit is undeniable. You know, I mean, this is the whole thing. It's like, oh, yeah, join the Paris Accords. And then, oh, you read a little bit more about it, and what do you find out? Oh, yeah, if you can't comply with the Paris Accords, we'll send some people over there to build you the infrastructure so you can. And, oh, but by the way, when we buy you that infrastructure, you have to, you, you're in debt to us. For us, paying for the infrastructure for you to comply with our globalist fucking agenda. And then, oh, oh, by the way, down the road, uh, oh, you can't pay that back? Well, next time we vote on something, you owe us those votes. You know? I mean, that's how the UN works. That's how the WTO works. That's confessions of an economic hitman. And I mean, these ideas that, oh, yeah, you know, USAID, we're going there and building the infrastructure of the Congo. Like, No. We're going in and buying, we're indebting them to us. I mean, that's all it is. It's a massive system of, uh, you know, economic colonialism. And I just think if you give a shit about people, you know, you leave the damn, you know, leave the fucking female entrepreneurs of Eritrea alone. Let's not give them Goldman Sachs loans so that they can like be fucking, <laughs> have a credit card. You know what I mean? That's terrible. 
just leave them alone. You know, like they don't want to partake in this shitty system. You know, I I understand some of that, but we also all live on this planet, right? So there are common things that we want to make sure happen. And how do we achieve that but with global cooperation? Which I think is the thing that the anti-globalists never really answer. Because, you know, the issue of global warming and climate change, etc. Like, how do we address that without having some kind of coordinated effort? What is the answer? Yeah, no. Because you can't rely on individual states to be good actors or that, you know, if only some people participate, it's going to work. How do we get to that point? How do we not bake to death in 50 years or whatever or have sea levels rise and destroy our coastal cities? Sure. Well, I mean, I think ultimately um, that's a very good question. And it comes down to what's the future going to be? Are we going to just continue down this globalist path? And if so... What's the globalist path? You know, to where we're one world government. So are we just going to continue down that path? And if so, where the hell do we go then? I mean, you, is it, can you, know, you distinguish between a one world government and governments of different countries working together towards a cause that, or a common issue that affects everybody? Well, yes, I can completely distinguish those things. But if borders are continuously dissolved, then which is the f- direction of things like the UN, the EU, the WTO, the Paris Accords, if borders are eventually dissolved, you know, there's a reason why Mark Zuckerberg spends millions of dollars of his own money fighting against closed borders. There's a reason why. It's because he wants to be, you know, he wants a global government. I think that we have to decide, you know, do, do we decide whether we want to live in one world with one morality? Or we want there to be a whole diverse set of morals that, you know, hey, if you want to, you know, uh, dress women up in burqas in one place and in the next place you want to circumcise all your men, you know, fine. Right? No, we don't want that. We don't want that. No, we don't want so that. So you want there to be one set of human rights I laws. don't want human beings uh, put into situations because of religious dogma. So, no, I don't think that uh, women should be forced to dress in burqas. No. I don't think that uh, mandatory genital circumcision or mutilation should occur because of religion. No, I don't think that's the case. Okay. So, yeah, you're, then you're a globalist. I mean, you, have, you think that there is one really basic morality that should not be I don't violated. Think, it's not that I think there's a basic morality, but I think that if people... I, I want to remove controls on, on what people are able to do and how they're able to express it. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's like, so you want there to be a sort of basic morality in terms of what you think fundamental human rights are. And you want to give everybody yeah, a chance I think there to are participate. Fundamental human rights. Yeah, and everybody should be able to like participate in the global economy without being like uh, I'm not interested in corporations going to poor countries and ravaging them and stealing their their materials or any of that but I am interested in establishing uh, 
a better world for everybody that lives in it, yes. Yeah, but don't you think that some societies have their own gender roles or their own weird practices? Uh, Is it really, isn't it colonial to come in there and try and tell them what the right way to do things If people want to participate in those, then I'm fine. But I suspect that most people don't. I mean, that's silly. No, I, it's not silly. Oh, you know what some no, I don't know. In Saudi Arabia I don't wants? know, but I also want to give people the opportunity to make that determination for themselves. And if they are living in a society where somebody says you have to cover yourself up in a burqa, and they don't want to be in a burqa, then they don't. have Okay, to be. well, I didn't want to get circumcised, but I didn't have any fucking. I think choice that's wrong too. I don't agree with that. All right, that's that's religion. That's religion determining that you need to get circumcised because that's what. You know, I don't think that's right either. Okay. I'm not pro-mandatory circumcision for men because of religious reasons. Yeah, you just don't like religion, period. I, I, I don't think that religion is helpful. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't think that it's a helpful thing. Yeah. This reminds me of a very funny story since we brought about Isaac circumcision. Ooh. <laughs> no, I'm Finally. <laughs> Damn it. That was hilarious. It was such it was a hilarious. Well. It was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> the moil... Sucked all the blood no. out. Oh, God. No. I think I just was, was at the fucking hospital. It's so you, barbaric. You were so drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't it true globally or not that hunger has decreased globally and literacy has increased globally? People who used to be completely off the map with regard to those things, there's fewer and fewer people who are, or not. I don't think that, I'm, okay, so hunger, right? Hunger. Let's you take that example. The fundamental problem with the world right now in every single way is that we're overpopulated. So was it really such a good thing to GMO the entire world population to 7 billion or whatever we're at now? Or is a certain amount of hunger maybe a good thing? Same thing with literacy, you know, what does liter- all literacy does is channelize you into the larger historical narrative that some people, for a lot of people, if you don't have the resources to get outside of whatever you're being indoctrinated with, a literacy can be, you know, a brainwashing tool, Right. But my only, not that literacy or hunger are good. Just arguing I'll, against literacy yeah, and for hunger, illiteracy <laughs> is a pretty good brainwashing tool. Also, it is. No, all I'm trying to say is, as you know, an American, I feel like culture should be allowed to ad- adapt and evolve separately and with their in their own way and in their own right and whatever way that is. If it's different than our way. Leave them the fuck alone. You know, like the beauty of different cultures is how different they are. I don't think anybody's arguing for not leaving cultures alone. Sitting at this table anyway. But once you start getting into, oh, this is a human right. This is a human right. This is a human right. Oh, that's hate speech. Oh, that's this. You know, slowly but surely what those things become is a very prescriptive rule book of don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And it's, it's a single religion. I mean, it's religion. You know, what is SJWism? What is the belief in transgenderism besides religion? You're not going to find arguments for me on that, on that point. Yeah. But 
to argue that it's 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 fine for women to be forced to dress up in burkas. Well, what do you mean that, women to be forced? I mean, it's like what what does that mean? You know, it, w- women play a part in that society as well. Women are they being part in that forced society? or yes, are they... because the society at large is forcing them to because if you walk outside of your house uh, not wearing your appropriate gear, you could be killed. So okay. there's you know, there's there's no choice. You're not yeah. making a real choice. You're being forced to do it. And I'm, I don't want to remove force from people's lives. Yes, that sounds very libertarian of you. <laughs> it is in that respect. I don't want people to be forced to do things that they don't want to do. Yeah, I, I agree. Their, their their basic freedoms. I agree with you. And I feel like we should enforce that for our own society. But once we start trying to enforce that in another society, it inevitably becomes warped. It's like, I, I agree with you completely. I think in my own society, I don't think anybody should be able to interfere with a family at all. Like, do you, did you hear about the law they just passed in Ontario? So they just made it, to talk about globalism, they just made it a law in Ontario that if your child says that they're transgendered, if you deny it, that's child abuse. And the kid can be taken away from you by the state. So if you decide you're a religious Christian and don't believe in transgendered stuff and you disagree with your kid, the state now has the right to come into your house and take your kid away. Right? I mean, that's pure tyranny. That's just textbook tyranny. And I think in our own society it's absolutely mandatory that people do not get screwed with you you're you can teach your kids whatever you want again the nuclear family is the most important part you know what i'm saying yeah well but what about the children in those families who are uh who's you know who find themselves alienated within their own family within their own town within their own society because they have some sort of uh, oh, you mean like being right wing in Evanston? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, see, I mean, you should be able to have, feel whatever way you want about that, right? I mean, you should be able to raise your kid with whatever morality you want, and then if the kid, when they're old enough, wants to go against that, fine. But the state should have no role, no role, in coming in there and trying to forward its fucking bullshit agenda on your kids. Well, it gets into that that danger zone of, you know, in some circumstances, kids have to be protected from their family, right? There are some places where, let's say, you have an abusive, physically abusive dad. Yeah, but see, here, the, here, here's where so what do you the problem do about is. Those? It, the, the term abuse, oh, what did the term abuse used to be mean? The term abuse used to mean physical abuse. Oh, but now what does it mean? Now it means uh, also verbal abuse. And oh, it also means emotional abuse now. Oh, and it also means if you don't accept your kid's identity, then you're abusive. So it's like, you know, the the definition just gets stretched to mean whatever they want. Sure. But there is also an interest in protecting children. Of course, of course. From abusive parents. Yes, So there does have to be some kind of... There has to be some line, of course. Yeah, no, of course there's some line. Yeah, but, you know... The line is way, 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 way far away from where it's gotten to. Yeah. You know? I mean, honestly, if I had a six-year-old and they're like, I'm transgender, I'd be like, why don't we just wait? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Why don't we man? wait to see? 
Yeah, let's just, you know, how about we just not worry about your, you know, sex right now? How about you just be a kid and, you know, we can sort this out later, you know? And also you have to wear pink if you're a girl. (laughs) (laughs) Also put on that dress right now. What is the voice that you're talking? I don't know. Future parent voice. Future parent. I'm excited to for you to have kids. Yeah. Watch that develop. Yeah. You're gonna be like the. <laughs> the best part is he's gonna be the most like easygoing. Let your kids uh, do anything, Dad. Nice. He's gonna be the guy at the the fucking museum who's got f- five year olds there. And I'm like, get these kids out yeah, of this the fucking screaming, museum. Like, yeah. Oh my god. Was I? I was a pretty well behaved kid, though, wasn't I? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, um, you always had your own direction that you wanted to go in, you know. I'm trying, I mean, you tended to be contrary to, uh, to quite a few things, you know. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like in what way? Um, you mean from the age at which you could express an unwillingness to do things? Whatever. Well, let's see. I mean, uh... You had your own. You had your own direction that you wanted to go in with regard to things. We you need know, some you illustrations here. By any way, oh jeez, I don't know. Ask me a more specific question. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, uh, you always wanted to win, right? right? And mm-hmm. we often had to change the get rules of games in order to allow you to win, yeah. right? You were pretty. Which I'm, games? I don't think I'm like that anymore. All those anymore. kind of stupid games, you know. Those, Scrabble and Risk and all those kind of sore loser. Is that yeah? And we 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 had a couple of games that were like very politically correct type games about cooperation and stuff like that. But it was always that Isaac had to end up winning. You know. Well, I was also an only. I'm the most cooperative person here. Yeah. (laughs) But that's also a only child thing, probably in a big way. Yeah, maybe so, because you didn't have to compromise uh, so much with other people. Yeah, I think being an only child really does, that does, that really is a major thing. I I don't know if it fucks you up. I mean, everybody has their own, you know, everybody has their own uh, advantages. I think it gives you some advantages and some disadvantages. But I think it definitely makes uh, interpersonal relations a lot more difficult. Because, yeah, you, you never really learn how to not get your way early on. Yeah. You know, at a very crucial time when you need to, like, learn that. I was an only child for five years, and then my sister was born. So I had it both ways. Yeah. And was that cool for you, or was that, wait a minute, who's this moving in on my turf? Uh, I think I was fine with it. I was excited to have this new person there, and... My sister and I, we had our ups and downs, but you're correct in that it kind of teaches you like how to relate and be aware that there's this other person. Yeah, to really think about like the happiness and the like existence of the other person yeah. around you. It took me a very long time to kind of like fully adopt that. Yeah, it's a, it's strange how those things impact you as a kid. Yeah, I mean, how could it not, you know? Um, what, uh, what does your sister do now? Where is she? She's in Arizona. She's a social worker. She's a social worker. Correct. Wow. 
she listen to the podcast? We got to get her on. She does not like you one bit. Oh. So <laughs> she is she is tuned out. Come on, sis. She is not a fan. That's what you said last time I told you this. Oh. Come on, sis. Come on, sis. She, how did she describe you once? Uh, she described you as every dude at a party oh, yeah, who's ever tried to argue me into giving him a blowjob which is like so dead on it's amazing (laughs) amazing how accurate that is she she wasn't she was not a fan she's a little she doesn't doesn't listen so i can say this i guess she's kind of sjw-ish well it's not these days really Uh, she has that tendency she works with a lot of underprivileged populations though and sees a lot of really bad family situations. Yeah. So she's a little jaded in that end of it. But she, it, it's it's interesting with her because she, my sister's 31 now, and she and my mom still cannot get along. Mm. And it's amazing how that mother-daughter problem just continues to live on. Why? I don't know. There, there's something about those two. They just can't see. Well, no, you much. must not. There must be something. I, I don't understand it. They're, they're both always taking a... Fa- I don't know who the problem is. They're both always mad at each other or upset. And my sister claims my mom treats her badly. And my mom claims my sister treats her badly. So it's a very interesting problem. That's been around. There must you must have some greater insight on this. I don't because it's very Rashomon. I hear. I I sit there and I hear them talk about each other, and I'm like, these are these sound like completely completely different different situations that happen, but they're talking about the same instance. Yeah, but it's usually in those situations, it's one person that's that's not telling the truth. I feel like it's well, I'm not there enough to get enough data to determine. I try to be Switzerland about these things because I got to get along with them both. That's probably the problem. You know, it's probably your fault. You think it's mine? I think it actually is your fault because I have this exact situation with Gracie's sister. And it's total Rashomon. Like, it's totally like she gets her sister story and then she gets my story. Then she gets her sister story and she gets my story. And then I hear bits of the sister story and I'm like, that is not what happened at all. <laughs> and I'm sure that... So you don't get along with her sister? No. What happened? Well, talk about SJW. I mean, it's like she she believes that anybody who would vote for Donald Trump is a physically violent human being. Ah. Yeah, it's, it's complete insanity. But... She hates me. So at the same time, she will f- embellish a story to an insane degree where it becomes that I was like, you know, d- threatening her with violence when it's like we had like an argument about, you know, it just becomes so over the top. And it's so Rashman because Gracie, who's like the most passive person goes to her and she like like listens to everything she says and she comes to me and she listens to everything that I say and it's like there's never any Gracie doesn't come down on either side. She and, can't though. And what no, you... but that's the problem. The problem is that the the arbiter of things is checked out. And what we really need is for Gracie to sit down and put her foot down and say like no, this is what happened in this circumstance. You are wrong. And then when the next spat comes around for her to like say no this is what happened in this circumstance. You no, are you wrong. can't you can't ha- ask her to have that responsibility. Because no. she has loyalty in very different ways to two different people. 
Yeah, but it, she it, can't. It, sure, but she can't be that person because if she is that person, then she's going to turn whoever she rules against against her. And but it not if do she is it. fair, and not if she's but fair. I, repeatedly. Again, if, if 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 there was fairness involved with this problem, then you would you'd be able to work it out without her input. The problem is that... No, because she's not playing... There's no moral code on the other side. Well, but that's what you claim. Yeah, exactly. And I that's, why there's a, that's why there's a problem, is, is because you're both zero-summing the other side, I'm sure. Yeah. And because you're doing that, there's no point for her to rule for you or for her. It doesn't, it doesn't help anything. That's the circumstance that she's in. She's just like, look, this is my longtime boyfriend. This is my sister. I know them both well. I know they're good people. I know that they are not the caricature the other one describes about yeah, them. sure. So it doesn't work for her. The, you're, you're putting her in an impossible position to try to make her the, the, the decider. But I feel like what we both right. are craving so deeply since we are in Rashomon world is some judge. The thing that you, you should know? do with this, with this woman is, is have a real I've conversation. Tried. I've her. tried several times. I, I have always been the trial. You should have me be the arbiter. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We can record it. <laughs> we consume this content. Well, we could get Natalie on the podcast. Yes. No, she's completely. Because I'm fair, uh, right? Yeah, you're pretty fair. Yeah. No, she's completely um, impossible to talk to. I tried to do this. So she was supposed to come over for Christmas, and I tried to. I called her, and I said, Natalie, let's just let's just put this behind us because, like, let's just have a nice Christmas and whatever. And she would not have it. No. I mean, it was just screaming immediately, like finding a way to just be so mad and just mean. Just very mean. No. Well, if she wants to come on, I'll sit and listen. I'd be fine with that. Yeah, no, what we need is a real objective referee. Yeah, someone that's not a family member that doesn't have stakes. Yeah, yeah. Because Gracie has stakes and there's no benefit for her to make a decision. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, yeah... What she really needs to hear is have somebody exactly that's unbiased say to her, like, you're not 100% right about right. everything, you know, which I know. I know I'm not 100% right about everything. I know I've, I'm sure I've been an asshole. I'm sure I've done things that aren't cool and blah, blah, blah. But I don't think she's ever put herself in a situation where she could listen to somebody saying that to her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I would recommend. All right. Well, we'll see. Don't make Gracie the the person with responsibility. Guy. It's not it's not her position. Yeah. Cuz she has her own relationships to maintain with both of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it doesn't do her any good to choose sides. sides. She's starting an advice podcast. Yeah. People write in with their problems. How to be. <laughs> How to live. How to live. And I'm certainly not somebody who should be giving advice on that. Oh, yeah.